Hi, friends. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting, where we talk about the intersections of queerness, transness, and childhood. I am your host, Linz Amer. Today is Juneteenth, and we are celebrating here on the pod by focusing on highlighting Black trans experiences. And I am so excited to bring you today this powerful conversation with Black trans legend, the one, the only, Miss Major Griffin Gracie. I got to speak with Miss Major about her experience as a parent and how parenthood has been an integral part of her life and her activism. She also has a new book that just came out called Miss Major Speaks. And if you enjoyed our conversation, you should go and check that out at a bookstore near you. Okay, before we get there, as always, we have a little bit of business to get through. Speaking of books, if you haven't grabbed your copy of Rainbow Parenting, Your Guide to Raising Queer Kids and Their Allies, you can still do that. It's out in any bookstore you like to get your books. I think if you like the podcast, you'll probably like the book. So check that out. There is also an audiobook version read by yours truly. So if you like listening to this podcast, maybe you'll like listening to a version of the book. I am also still on tour. I just wrapped up a bunch of incredible events in San Francisco, and I'm about to head to Boston for an event at All She Wrote Books, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to be in conversation with author Sarah Prager, who we had on the pod earlier in May. After that, I'll be wrapping up my tour in New York City for Pride Weekend. I'll be doing an adult event Q&A at Blue Stockings, and I'll be in conversation with Dolly J, who is a trans femme educator who does a lot of really wonderful content on Instagram. If you don't follow them, you definitely should. I'll be doing a bunch of family performances after that. One of them is with Emmett Theater and the New York City Children's Theater on that Friday afternoon. I'll be doing events at the Children's Museum of Manhattan. I'm very excited. It's going to be an absolute blast. But if you're not in any of the cities where I've been touring, you are still in luck because we are having a virtual Pride celebration for the whole family. Pride of Palooza is going to be on June 28th, Wednesday in the afternoon for East Coasters in the morning for West Coasters. If you are working or can't do that time, that is okay because we're going to be recording the whole thing and anybody who registers is going to have access to that recording in perpetuity to watch whenever you like. It's all queer and trans family artists. We keep adding wonderful, wonderful people to the lineup. We've got the Alphabet Rockers, Jules from Songs for Littles, Ants on a Log. Oh my gosh, Miss Katie Sings just joined. Caitlin Becker, aka Mika from Blippi, is going to sing for us. I am so excited for this. So make sure you head over to queerkidstuff.com and you can register for the event. It's just $25 per family. If finances are an obstacle in any way, please email us business at queerkidstuff.com and we will set you up with a discount code. No questions asked. All right, that's all the business. Let's get to my conversation with Miss Major. All right, friends, I am absolutely honored and humbled to have Miss Major Griffin Gracie on the podcast today. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting, Miss Major. Hey, how you doing? 
Uh, amazing. I am so excited to talk to you. One, because you have a book coming out, which I am so very excited to get my hands on to read your story. Um, but we're also going to talk about intergenerational <laughs> trans and queer movement building. And uh, before we get into all of that, uh, I would love if you just in your own words would introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, well, I'm an older transgender woman. I've lived and cared for this people and the that I care for about 50 years. So mm. what can I say? <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's beautiful. Um, and I like to come to this work, you know, we're whole humans outside of justice building and and these right and rights movements and and our identities, right? So how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Good. <laughs> glad glad to hear it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, let's get to it. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and just kind of like why you're putting this out in this moment? I'm really just I want to get into into that with the book. Oh, well, the the book came about Toshio really insisted on that I do something mm. because the movie he felt wasn't enough told mm. about me. So um, he got together different times that we were talking to each other mm. and, so, and so he put it all together and mm. came up with this format for writing a book. Mm. And I saw it and I said, well, <laughs> I don't know if people would be interested in what I got to say. But, I'm um, interested. I think our <laughs> listeners are interested. <laughs> cool. So does it span your full life? Are you talking specifically about kind of your work in the movement? It goes from 17 to now. Mm. <laughs> it's a little snippets of stuff, you know, different memories come back in the... Yeah. I'm sure you're full of incredible stories. And I wanted to, um, so you are obviously a trans person and were a child at one point, um, as we all have been, right? Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about, but you're also a parent as well. So I kind of yeah. wanted to talk about both of those things um, because you have such a wide breadth of lived experience, right? And and I don't talk to a lot of um, elder um, elders in the trans community on the podcast, so this is why I was really excited to talk to you because usually we talk we we talked about this just before we hopped on recording, uh, but on this podcast we talk about queerness and transness and childhood. And if we're going to be talking about childhood, we also have to be talking about the under other end of the spectrum and talking about our queer and trans elders. So. You know, you're sitting in front of me at this point in your life. I'm so curious about your childhood. Can you tell us a little bit, just even about what you remember about being a young trans person? Well, um, the strength I got today and have had, uh, I got from my mother. Mm. You know, still this in me because... She basically challenged me over everything mm. that there was. But um and I remember things of 
like Riverview Park in Chicago, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, then the times that I took off when I just stayed, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a good childhood. I don't remember nothing happening to shake my system up mm-hmm. or to make me angry at them, you know. Mm-hmm. I basically understood that, that they were kids too, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they just didn't have any concept that I was venturing in this way that they were not, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, I am curious you've, if you have any early member- memories of like, un- like, first starting to realize that maybe you were a little bit different of like your queerness and your transness. What was that kind of like uh, in your childhood? Um, it was kind of uh, like when I was 15, uh, I decided that I wanted to get out more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to areas that my people hung out at, we'll mm-hmm. say. Um, it got to where I first found a dress back in that time. Mm-hmm. And the uh, girl that I took it, I did this with was named Kitty. Okay. And Kitty involved me in. I went to my first show then. And mm. so a drag show like, or a ball? A ball. And I got to see people like me mm. on stage. Mm. And uh and this was at fifteen, you said? And uh, you know, it was started. That's 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 what it did. Mm. It started me. And um from there I just ran a muck. Mm. I was all over Chicago at that time. Uh Sport my wares, as they say. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Amazing. And what, at that time period and like at that point in your life, what did kind of going to that space feel like putting on a dress for the first time? Can you like paint a picture a little bit? Well, when I first went, uh, friends that I knew at the time had me dress rather dowdy, mm-hmm. you know. I wore bangs and flat shoes because mm. I was tall. And um, Kitty told me that um, regardless of what I do, I'm going to be tall. So wear high heels while mm. I wear flats. And um, it's kind of like that movie Gypsy Rose Lee, mm-hmm. where uh, Gypsy, she says that she's beautiful. Hmm. And, and that's exactly what I felt like. Hmm. Here I am, you know, young boy. But when I looked at me, I was just, I was gorgeous. Knocked down. Hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. I think that yeah. that's such a universal moment for trans people of like feeling that gender euphoria for the first time, yeah. right? Yeah, you can't help it. You just feel lovely and accepted. And mm. to be around 
your people is important. Mm. You know, yeah. I don't want to break straight people. Mm. Beautiful. Um, fast yeah. forwarding just a little bit to your journey as a parent. Then um, your first child was when you were. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Can you can you tell me about like coming into parenthood and and what being a um, parent means to you as well? I think that that's a, something I'm I'm really interested in. It is the greatest job that you can ever have. Yeah. Something that oh, it forces what you believe in, what you hope for your dreams and aspirations and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, my first child was a Christopher, and uh, he's 45, 46 now, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it was an experience that I would personally not wish on everybody, mm -hmm. because everybody can't be a parent, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, I was raising him alone. Mm -hmm. And it was tough because everybody was against us. We didn't have people we could rely on, mm -hmm. you know, and so um, I was basically at my wit's end. But raising him got me to believe in myself mm -hmm. and him. You know, and now at this age, I wind up with a two-year-old. Yeah. And the same thing, the same thing happened. Mm. I feel as if, you know, this time I, I have it to give him, you know, that I didn't have it uh, before, but I have it now. It 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 just... I feel that if this time I have at my resources and the tips of my fingers, everything that I could miss with Edgar, you know, so. Mm. That's yeah. beautiful. I think something that's really striking me is that, like, from your childhood to starting to raise your own child and come into parenthood, and then now having a young child at, at at your age at this point in your life, I'm so curious about the ways and like the time periods in which you've witnessed childhood over kind of like these different sectors of your life. So I'm really curious to put that like in the context of the LGBTQ plus movement a little bit and like your life as an activist and movement builder and how you've looked at your own childhood and then the the lives of your children and yourself as a parent across the across the decades. Well, the, with the first boy, um, I was able to share him with the girls that I knew at the time, hmm. and uh, they helped me. They braided his hair. They took up the limit that I couldn't do because I had to work. Um, mm -hmm. If I did get money, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> I was. I did my best to keep it separate. What I did with him, you mm -hmm. know, but I would tell them what I was doing, but I wouldn't let them be involved in it, you know. Mm -hmm. 
um, the same thing with the one I have now. Uh, I'll tell them what I do to make life comfortable, mm-hmm. but I won't let him be involved because, you know, I want him to make his own decision as to where he's going to be in his life, you know, if he's going to be straight or gay or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't put that connotations on him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what I do now is like this kid wears pink and purple and lavender colors because he likes colors. I couldn't do that then because the mm. people attack my boy, you know. Mm. So I dress him appropriately until he was on his own. Then I let him dress himself, you know. Um, how it's been throughout the, the years is uh, Christopher was always intuitive and, and interested in people, mm-hmm. you know. So we would go to places like the park and stuff, and he would leave me and go venture off by itself. Mm-hmm. And this uh, one, when he gets old enough, it's going to do the same thing, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I it's It really struck me about kind of your approach to parenting at the different times in your life. Because, you know, the different cultural contexts between now and when you were raising your first son. And I'm, I'm curious about what other kinds of decisions you're making now that were different than when you were raising your first son, Christopher. Well, what the difference is, I guess, primarily... I can be more relaxed now mm. than I was then. Mm. I was very uptight. I worried about what he was going to run into in school, mm. what what the if the children would like him, you know. Mm. And the kids always liked him and they they wanted to come by our house. Mm. The parents, now that was a different story. Sure. They were not sure the they felt as if he, Christopher, was with her. Hmm. <laughs> so then I would tell them, look, just just use her name. I'm Major. No, that doesn't make any sense. They couldn't figure that out. Hmm. The static I was expecting from the kids, I got from the parents. Hmm. Nowadays, um, it's free reign. You know, so if he's a good boy and and he likes them, everybody counts, you know, and the parents are slowly now more receptive mm. to to me than they would have been in the when I raised Chris. So mm. in in what ways are you seeing that uh parents now being more accepting? Because I'm I mean, watching all of the anti-trans legislation that's happening right yeah. now, right? I think that that is the will of the people. Mm. You know, people, I find, don't mind my existence. They don't want to storm the citadel and come. They're more accepting. They will give me chance to prove who I am. They look at my son and say, oh, well, she's raising him right. Hmm. You know, 
whereas before the people were against me, you know, and so I had to do things that I didn't like to get him grown, Hmm. to protect him, to keep him safe. But, you know, they're trying to corral the public into saying that um, I'm demented or whatever. And uh, I don't find that I see that out in the world. Mm. No. Now, I'm not saying that everybody everybody loves me. No, <laughs> they don't. But um, more people like me as a person than don't. Mm-hmm. No. And so they're taking these few individuals and drumming it up to make what happened. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. but I feel as if, you know, they're going after the young kids first and they want to arrest the parents and stuff. They're stopping women from making them carry out an abortion that they were raped on. Yeah. What kind of sense does this make? The public is not into that. And they're constantly still pushing that forward. You know, um, I live now in the state of Arkansas. And although I live here, I was on the cover of the Arkansas Times this month as, as who I am, a transgender woman. So what's the, what is wrong with the uh, Republicans? Why can't they accept it and let me be? You know, yeah. it was a nice article that this man did. Oh, good. I'm so glad. It really was. And uh, the guy that came and took the picture uh, that they used uh, said that he didn't want people to get the idea that I was a drag queen or something something else to just see me as the woman that I was. Mm. That felt very good. Good. So I feel as if, you know, they're wrong and I swear to God, they're not going to get what they want. You know what? I'm there with you. I I feel, you know, as bad as things are right now, I do feel a lot of optimism. And hearing that you are also kind of seeing it you know that that it isn't what uh, to use your words the the will of the people right to to hear that from you uh, it it really means a lot in like validating i think what i feel and what i hope a lot of listeners feel that you know there's a brighter future forward and i and i'm and i'm curious what about your experience in the lgbtq plus movement in your you know as a parent as someone who has you know, experience and in in relationship with young people. Um, What about all of that experience makes you feel kind of optimistic for the future? And maybe if optimism isn't the right word, you can correct me there, but. No, I I do feel good about it and optimistic because they want to tear down this system of government. Mm. And what are they kidding themselves for? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? they're going to go against 
millions of people who believe in this Mm -hmm. for some ridiculous idea that we're an abomination, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. If I'm an abomination, there should be more of me. (laughs) 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 So that went downtown and we can push the building down or something, you know? Yeah, there we go. That sounds like a solution. I love that. Amazing. Girls that, um, you know, as as strange as this is, mm-hmm. it must always keep in mind the struggle that we had in the beginning to mm-hmm. get here, yeah. to have for it to be what it is today, mm-hmm. last year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that we have to keep it together and fight this strong, mm-hmm. you know, fight it. Fight it, fight it. Listeners, I'm so sorry. We usually have a word from one of our sponsors here, but there's a situation developing in the studio. It seems a large otter has somehow made its way in here, and it's now standing next to my desk on their back legs, holding out what appears to be several damp 3x5 index cards, and... Okay, the index cards read... Hello and good day. I'm Churbis. Am I saying that right? Churbis? Oh, Churbay? Churbay. Protector of the waterways. I bring to you news of Nerdy Kepi, a family-owned and trans-operated clothing and home goods company from Portland, Oregon, that makes comfortable and classy pride gear that's subtle, sustaining, and suitable for work, in a variety of pride flags with sizes up to 5XL in most items. You can use coupon code RAINBOWPARENTING for 20% off your first purchase. Nerdy Kepi. Find us at ithaspockets.gay. That's ithaspockets.gay. Today, we're talking about one of my new favorite queer and trans-owned small businesses, Queer Candle Co. They make small batch soy wax candles that are hand-poured with love. These candles are topped with a variety of botanicals, including pressed flowers, dried herbs, and zested aromatics. These candles are not just wonderful to smell, they are also beautiful to look at. Personally, I love a musky, smoky scent. So we got sent the teak and leather soy candle, and oh my goodness, it made our living room smell so good. (laughs) We also got one of their flame-free diffusers in the dark plum scent, and when I tell you that our bathroom smells so good now, like our guests are so impressed when they go into our guest bathroom. It smells so good. I really love that product and it's lasted for so, so long. And we'd never really tried a diffuser like that before. We've really been impressed with how long it's lasted and how good it smells and how potent it is. Because, you know, some diffusers like aren't actually don't actually get the scent into the air. This really, really does. Queer Candle Co. donates 10% of their monthly profits to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project. So you're not just supporting a queer and trans-owned small business. You're also supporting a really important nonprofit that works for trans and queer people as well. They sell DIY refill kits online, so any candle is endlessly refillable. I think that's so cool. You can use the code RAINBOW at checkout to get 10% off your first order on their website. You can find them at QueerCandleCo.com or on Insta and TikTok at QueerCandleCo. Happy sniffing! 
I am so curious about what it was like to be a part of the movement at the time when you were a first a parent um, and what your relationship with your child and your relationship to your parenthood and how that informed your early activism. Uh, well, I've always been around kids. Mm. So they were always a part of my existence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, hookers would have children and leave them with me and go out and hook, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I, I give their children, then it's my turn <laughs> to run out and hook, you know. Um, that's just the way that it was, you know. And it be, it came a a stable life form, you know. Mm. Uh, there was not any. I didn't feel this. Well, you don't want to touch this, you know. You don't want to be involved in that, you know. Do mm-hmm. uh, everything that happened till then in my life. Why not touch it? <laughs> you know what the hell. You know, you got nothing to lose by trying, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it went okay, you know. Uh, a lot of friends I lost, you know, when I when Christopher was born. Mm-hmm. But I got new friends and other friends, so it was all right, you know. Okay. Yeah. I think that happens to any new parent too, of just losing friends and and gaining new ones who are also parents. I think that's a typical experience. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think what's important to hear about what you're saying, and I that I think um, that I think people need to hear right now is that trans people have been parents for a long time and have been parenting for a long time. Yeah, I mean, my God, Cain killed Abel. <laughs> Now, wonder why <laughs> does that the bitch bother up his wig? <laughs> I like that perspective on that story. <laughs> Do you have any stories about bringing Christopher around when you were kind of uh, when you were in the movement at the time? Um, God, a lot of stories. I'm sure you do. <laughs> God. But one thing that stands out was I had known a, a friend named Edwina at the time in New York. And uh, it was just after I did time in Dan Moore. Mm-hmm. And um, he was saying that, uh, well, I should raise a child and all this shit because I served time in Dan Moore. Mm. So, I asked him, well, if that's the case, wouldn't nobody have children? Because mm. <laughs> what does that matter? That's something I have to give the child. Mm. I can tell them about this, warn them about it, yeah. tell them the good and the bad points of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's arguing with me about it, and I went to leave his place, and um Towel on the dining room table was caught in in my hand. <laughs> so when I snatched my kid up, I snatched all this off the table. Oh no! 
god. Yeah, add that to New York, Dan. Mm, yeah, New York's tough. I grew up in New York, and uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, huh? It's hard. It's I moved back in my twenties and had to had to leave eventually because it's just it's a hard place to live, right? It is. But you know, you can live someplace if you have friends mm. and a good circle of them mm-hmm. and someone else besides you that cares for your child. Mm. Tell me what the word family means to you. Oh, gosh, family. Hmm. Oh, family is any and all people who want the same things out of life you do, hmm. who want you to succeed in whatever you decide to go towards, you know, and to love you irregardless of what has happened before during and after you you're together, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like, I don't, I, I don't, this is a retreat that I run. It's a family gathering. Mm-hmm. And I bring people out here to enjoy the nothingness, the quietness, mm-hmm. you know, and be Involved in the people's lives who were here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I, that's spammed to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. So we've been talking about your experience as a parent and parenthood, but I also think there's, uh, something to like being a matriarch of a larger kind of like quote unquote family family in this like larger definition of family that you're talking about. So I'm curious about this kind of maternal instinct that you have and your your experience as as a mother to this expanded vision of what family is like. How has that kind of affected your life? Well, I felt grateful that they would consider me a part of their family mm-hmm. and want me to be, you know, have the title of mother. You mm-hmm. know, that's so endearing to me because you only have one mother. Mm-hmm. And to be raised by them with blood mm-hmm. and still choose me. The Mara's thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, it makes you cry sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because there's nothing more important than your family. Mm-hmm. And when you think about your family and your breath and your heart, you think it's your mother. Mm-hmm. And how nice that they would consider me. Mm. Yeah, I think um, oh, you're getting me all worked up too. I know it's uh, it's family, especially I think within the queer and trans community is, I think you know few and far between for some people, and yet so expansive when you find your community, right? So, yeah, I. Uh, 
I'm really moved <laughs> by what you're saying um, because I, I think that, I mean, you know, we have this idea of chosen family in the queer and trans community and this idea that, you know, <laughs> you know, it takes a village to get through and to make it through this world that we're a part of. It does. You can't make it alone. Mm, yeah. So I'm... I'm curious about how this idea of family and this idea of chosen family and uh, within kind of community and how important those kinds of deep emotions for the people in your life have contributed to your work as an activist. Uh, they keep me going because mm-hmm. you can't stop. You you definitely can't stop because if you do. The opposition keeps going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You stop and they're, they're shoving it, you know. So mm-hmm. that keeps me going. And if not for them, why do it? Mm. Yes. You, know, you got to do it to help. Got to yeah. be you somehow. No matter what you do, you still got to set that aside. And be help. Mm, yeah, and I think um, I think that something that happens in you know the people who are trying to oppress us, right? Who are trying to knock us down? Who are trying to pass all this horrible legislation? I think that a big part of what they do is, and their tactics especially, is split this idea of our idea of family within the queer and trans mood queer and trans community apart can you can you talk about that kind of like tension because i mean this is a big reason why i do this podcast of talking about queerness and transness and kids i think this is why this is such a big discussion in the world right now around like trans people and separating trans people from children and i am curious about what it is about that kind of like tension of them trying to pull us apart out of this family unit we've created and us holding together. Well, try as they might, they won't put mm-hmm. us apart. There will be some facts and as always, we'll keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, take for instance, my lover is 41. Mm-hmm. And um, there's 35 years of indifference of mm-hmm. heart. But we met when he was 21, yeah. you know. And you know who you're supposed to be with. Mm-hmm. You had feeling or something. And so far as that's it. You know, mm-hmm. and we have a son to prove it, what mm-hmm. we for each other. And then you take this new life that we brought on this earth, you know, along with all the things that are here, he's going to experience. But where does he get that from? But us, mm-hmm. you know. He has two transgender parents mm-hmm. who love him, who care about him, 
mm-hmm. who wanted to succeed and whatever that is, you know. So why do they think they can come along and, and destroy that? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just when they had the riots in New York, they did everything they could to separate us from that. Mm-hmm. It made it about this fags versus transgender people. Sins mm-hmm. against transgender people. Mm-hmm. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. You want to do that? Fine. Somewhere along the line, the truth is going to come out. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that that acronym they have, the T should have been first. Mm-hmm. If that would have been the way they said it was, I would go along with it. But it, it isn't, you know. And that division they keep separated because they said so. Mm-hmm. I'm, yes, absolutely. I am wondering. So something that I come up against um, in in my work, especially as a trans children's performer, right, is that there are a lot of queer and trans folks who I think are actually scared of children and of um, being Mm -hmm. around children. And I'm really curious what you would say to those folks who, who feel that way, because I I have an idea of like why they might feel that way, but I, I'm 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 really curious about where you think that comes from. Well, it comes from not wanting anything to do with women. Hmm. You know, if they're going to have anything to do with a woman, that means eventually they would have a child. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God forbid. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? That's, you know, we have to keep going. Mm -hmm. If you don't like children, fine. You don't like children. Mm -hmm. But don't berate the people who have kids. Yeah. You do that because you had to have a mother sometime, some. Mm Somewhere mm-hmm. in the life. there's a mom in your life, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you came out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Why that is, I have no idea. But to stop it, just ease up, back up 10 feet, mm. get your breath, and let it go. Because mm. the children don't care whether you live or die. <laughs> it don't matter. No, I agree. I think that, you know, you're not when you're talking about like children as an idea, you're you forget that you're talking about a person, right? A small what an individual, right? So classifying them as as children and I don't like children is is I think a little bit silly. And Right, it's silly, and I think it's it. It really is 
comes from this idea of the, you know, the people who want to oppress and discriminate against us, keeping us away from children and keeping us away from building a future generation of affirmed queer and trans kids and kids who are raised by queer and trans parents, right? So I'm I'm really curious about I'm curious about a lot of things today. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really, I wonder about what your vision of parenthood looks like for the future. And I think you're enacting that right now with your, with your two-year-old, right? Yeah, it, this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no other dreams other than this is it. Mm-hmm. Because when, when Prisca got up and ran off, I could chase him. It's a out. I'll catch him when he comes back by. <laughs> I'm not buzzing out my chair mm-hmm. because I can't, don't have the energy, you know. But he does. He catches him and brings it to me. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What do you hope for parents today who are raising their kids and are supportive of the trans community but maybe don't know? how to raise a kid in a gender-affirming and queer-affirming way. What kind of advice would you give to today's parents who are seeing all of this anti-trans legislation, but also seeing a growing and incredibly joyful movement, right? And folks who don't necessarily know how to be a, be a part of kind of like where the future is going. I'm curious what you would say to that parent. What I would say to him is find organizations who feel the way you do. Because mm. there are people out there that feel like you. Mm. And don't, don't accept this shit from the Republicans. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're a bad parent or you don't want... Fuck them like they would know what it's like to live your life. Mm. They don't know. You know, they don't get up with him. They don't go to bed with him. They're not there when he has a cold. You know, they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So ignore that. Concentrate on your kid and mm-hmm. fight this. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the Yes. And you can find so many people now that this internet thing. Mm-hmm. You find so much now on this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any, like, parenting wisdom you'd like to impart to our listeners? Oh, no. <laughs> get through it as best you can. Uh-huh. No. Love your child. Hmm. And that's all you can do. That's why you had them in the first place. Hmm. You know, to love him. And to be prepared for him to be at the point of, well, he don't love you. Fine. You don't love me now. But next year you will. Always remember that, you know. They say anything, you know. But in their heart, they know they love you. Mm, Yeah. What would you say to queer and trans folks, young queer and trans folks today who are especially youth, right, who are growing up, you know, with the anti-trans legislation that's happening right now, these big news headlines that are, I think, are really impacting people emotionally. What would you kind of say to 
queer and trans youth today who are struggling hearing all of that? What I would say to the youth is remember that you are loved by people who care about you. Mm-hmm. Not these who trying to pass it, but mm-hmm. by care about you. And if you believe in that and you firmly know that is there, mm-hmm. ignore the mm-hmm. fight. They'll back up and go back where they came from. Mm, yes, I hope so. What are your dreams and hopes for the future of like queer rights and, and trans rights? Well, I'd like to live in a world where that's not important where everybody gets along. Mm-hmm. What your thoughts are, what you believe, what you want to do with your body, you can do it, you know? And kids can grow up free from that that's on, the, on them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about, especially for an audience of parents and teachers? Well, the parents and teachers, I guess, you know, um, I would say to them, love the kids, boy. You, you got to love your children and then defend them. They say they're trans, accept that, mm-hmm. and take up the look and fight it, you know? Mm-hmm. Always fight for them, because they keep too young to fight themselves. Yeah. We do it. Yeah, we do. All right. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of wrapping up our conversation. Um, can you tell folks again about the book that you've got coming out and why they should okay. read it? <laughs> <laughs> Miss Major Speaks mm-hmm. is uh, a life story of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, read it because you won't believe the stuff that's in there. <laughs> I'm sure. I you. I'm sure you have so <laughs> many incredible stories. Thank you so so much for taking the time. This has been a really beautiful conversation. It was yeah. All right, that was my conversation with Miss Major Griffin Gracie. Make sure you check out her new book out now called Miss Major Speaks to learn more about her story. As always, you can find me at Amer, L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R on all of the socials. You can also follow my work at Queer Kids Stuff also on all of the socials. Don't forget to register for Pride of Palooza coming up on the 28th. And our Queer Kid Stuff Patreon members get early ad-free access to all of our Rainbow Parenting podcast episodes. So if you'd like that, head on over there and support us with a monthly Patreon donation. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Linz Amer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzia.